Awesome. So good. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Pete MacArthur. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's uh, such a privilege to be able to share the Word of God with you this morning. Let me just get myself organized. Thank you. Awesome. I wonder if you've ever prayed for something ridiculous and seen God move in it. You don't have to look far in church before you meet somebody who's prayed for something just insane and God actually answered their prayer. We had a preacher here not that long, oh, actually not that long, I say not that long, it was five or six years ago. But this is the craziest one, man. This guy, when he was young, he took it as a personal offense that the pastor in their church only had a small rug in his office and not full carpet. The church couldn't afford to carpet the pastor's office, and uh, so all they had was just a small rug. And him and his friends, they got together to pray that God would take the small rug and would grow it miraculously so that it fits the, the man's office. And the crazy thing is that that's actually what God did, that God actually took this tiny little rug and uh, expanded it and grew it so that it would fit the office. And I remember him making the comment that when you're young, you don't, you haven't learned what God can't do. You just assume that what's written in the Bible is right. You assume that when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, that he actually means that he is the bread of life, that anything you ask for in his name will be done. I remember when I was a young Christian, I had a similar experience. I felt the call of God on my life to go onto the mission field for uh, 12 months. And this was going to cost 20,000 New Zealand dollars, which even now is a huge sum, but back then it was even more. And I poured everything I had into it. And, uh, but there was still this massive shortfall. And I had two months to, to raise the money. And so what my father and I would do after dinner every day is uh, to go into the bedroom and to pray that God would provide. And over two months, day after day, and uh, um, people would feel compelled to give money. And it was almost like we didn't even have to really ask for it. I remember going over to somebody's house one time, and he gave me a check for $1,000. And uh, at the time, I was a young Christian. I thought that was normal, you know, because... Because I just read in the scripture that God provides, and here he was providing. Now, now as an adult, I'm thinking, what the heck? Why would you give a 17-year-old $1,000? But God provides when we trust him with stuff. And, and today, in today's scripture, we're reading that Jesus' declaration that he is the bread of life, we need to actually know that he meant it. And... Um, so today we're having a look at a miracle of Jesus, where Jesus feeds the 5,000 uh, 5, men plus their wives and children. And uh, what we need to know is that it was about kindness for people, but it wasn't just about kindness. Because after the miracle, he announced himself that he was the bread of life. I know for me, I don't know about for you, but for me as an adult, issues of provision get a little cloudy because I'm on a salary how, the question in my mind that seems to reoccur is, is how do I trust God? How do I live by faith when I have a regular stream of income coming into my bank account? As a young person, I had nothing. So in some ways, it was easy to trust God, but it seems just a little cloudier now. And all of this discussion and all of this talk about, about Jesus being the bread of life is asking the question, who do you trust to meet your needs? 
We all have needs. We all have financial needs, emotional needs, uh, physical needs. But the question that Jesus is asking in his declaration is, who are you trusting to meet your needs? Maybe you've got a financial need where the uh, funds that are coming into your bank account on regular occasions are simply not enough to meet the uh, funds that need to exit your bank account. Maybe you've got a, uh, (laughs) that's it, that's a real thing. Maybe you've suddenly realized that your relationships aren't all what they should be. And perhaps, just perhaps, it's based on the idea that you're asking somebody else to meet your emotional needs and not your heavenly father. And they're coming up short and it's creating stress in your marriage. Now, whatever it is that you need, whatever needs you have, whether it's a short list or a long list, we all face the temptation of uh, trying to meet, it, meet that need ourselves. But we can trust God. When Jesus declared that he was the bread of life, it was an invitation into a trust relationship, a relationship of dependence where we trust our needs with God and he proves himself trustworthy. So we look at the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 and the declarations he makes afterwards. Let me give you a bit of background to the story. Jesus had been teaching all day. And he had been teaching 5,000 men. They only counted men. These days, because we believe in equality, we count everybody. But but in the Bible times, they they only counted men. And uh, (laughs) you guys down the front. Um, (laughs) So so he's teaching 5,000 men, huge crowd. Even by Toll Stadium standards, that's a good turnout. And they're getting hungry, and so Jesus, out of an act of kindness from his heavenly Father, would like to provide them with a meal. But the problem is all they have is five small loaves of bread and two fish. And John chapter 6, verses 10 to 14, it's up on the screens, and it's in your notes. This is what happens. Jesus says, have the people sit down. There, were plenty, there was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, Gather the pieces that were left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled the twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign that Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. And get this and remember it for later. This is important. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. A little later on, there's a fascinating discussion between the same people who had enjoyed a free meal from the hands of God and Jesus himself. And this is, what, this is how the conversation goes. John chapter 6, verses 30 to 35. So they, that is the people who had enjoyed the meal, asked him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors, hint, 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 ate manna in the wilderness. And it is written, he gave them bread to eat from heaven. Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, 
but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And these people, they still didn't get it. They still didn't get it. They said, sir, will always give us this bread. They're still angling for a free feed. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. There are two key words in that last verse. Believe and hunger. And hunger is not something all of us fully understand. In today's culture, if you're hungry, you can uh, go any number of places for a meal. But if you were a subsistence farmer, somebody who pours their life out to simply get enough meal for their family to eat, if you were a subsistence farmer, you'd understand hunger a little better. You see, this word hunger in the scriptures literally means to be famished or to be without provision. To be famished or to be without provision. And Jesus compares this word hunger to the next word believe. You see, the word believe in John does not mean simply kind of a cognitive thinking. It doesn't mean that you agree with a set of things. It means that you have active trust. Active trust. So these days, people can say, well, I believe in God, but I don't do dot, 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 dot. But in the Gospel of John, you cannot believe in God without entrusting your life to Him. You cannot say that I believe in Jesus without having some form of personal investment in the person of Jesus. When we say uh, from the Gospel of John's perspective that we believe in Jesus, we're not simply saying that we think with our minds that he lived, died, and rose again. We're saying that we have entrusted every part of our life into his hands. We're saying that we've got something to lose. The reason that, that those two words are key in the Scripture is because Jesus is saying that those who trust in God, those who place their needs in the hands of God, those people will never be without provision, that God will always provide. They will never go without. They will never be considered hungry. This is really encouraging for anybody who's ever experienced a need. You've known what it's like to feel in need, maybe the need for a friend, maybe the need for a partner or a husband or wife, maybe the need for financial security. It's deeply encouraging on that level. But for me, it also raises a lot of other questions. What about people who take advantage? What about people who think they have sets of needs, but maybe God doesn't agree with them about their needs? You know, in the story, there's a discussion between people who had enjoyed a free meal and Jesus himself, trying to get them to understand that it wasn't just about the food. You see, in the story, there's a group of probably subsistence farmers, people who, who work for food, and that's it. They're not working for wealth to get their family better in life. They're simply working for a meal on the table. And for those kinds of farmers, a free meal meant a day off. And so they're thinking to themselves, you can see the cogs turning in the scriptures. It's fascinating. If I can continue to receive a free meal every day from Jesus, then I can retire. <laughs> right? 
Because, because for them, food, uh, work meant food. And so if you got free food, then you can get rid of the work. And that, that, that's the key point around the question that they ask uh, in the scripture, because for them, a free meal meant a day off work. And so they simply, you, you can see them kind of understanding, hey, if we can get this Jesus guy on our side, and if he can be providing food for us on a daily basis, if he can heal the sick and raise the dead, then there isn't an, an army in this world that can stop us. We are unstoppable. We can take over this country and we don't have to stop at this country. Because even if someone dies, Jesus can just raise them to life. And so, so we get this fascinating description of these people who are manipulating or seeking to manipulate Jesus in order to gain political power. They're thinking, wow, we could really use someone like this to regain personal power. You see, in Jesus' teaching, has two parts. He's saying, God is a good God. He sees your struggles. He sees your needs. And he wants to be there as a good father to fill your needs. But there's a second part to the message, and that's simply this. That kind of provision is only possible in a relationship of trust and dependence on God. There's a catch. We all, in our, in, our, in our world, in our society, we have this saying, there's no such thing as a free lunch, right? You've heard that saying? It means everything has a catch. And according to the scriptures here, it's both true and false. Firstly, it's false because there are no catches to God. God's favor is always free. His faithfulness is always there. It doesn't matter what you're doing. But it's true in the sense that what Jesus is saying is that he is attempting to draw the people into a relationship of trust and dependence on God where meeting their needs suddenly becomes possible. It's saying that it's only by relationship with God can our deepest needs be met. The overall question that Jesus was inviting was who are you trusting to meet your needs? God? or someone, or something else. It's a message that says that although God is deeply concerned with the hungry and those in need, he is more interested in us as people moving past our stuff and into a relationship of deep trust in him than he is in us receiving a free lunch. You know, when uh, Sarah and I, we first moved to Whangarei, um, I had never had a trouble getting a job. I'd always kind of come into a place and, and gotten a job. And um, I applied for several teaching jobs in Whangarei and it, they just came up short for some reason. And uh, I was trained as a teacher in maths and physics, which in theory is a really sought after job. So I wasn't sure what to do with this. And um, I kind of worried about it. And as the days and weeks grew on, I got more and more concerned about it. And I remember one time I was sitting in church and the pastor gave a, a invitation to come up if you had a need and receive prayer and I, I'm not normally the type of person to come up um, but I felt compelled at that time to come up and receive prayer and uh, one of the ministry team they prayed for me and at 6 30 a.m the next day I received a call about some relief teaching that job that that relief teaching turned into a week's worth of work and two weeks later it turned into a full-time job now which is awesome but the reason I'm telling you this is that when I was receiving prayer at the front of the church, 
I realized that even though I thought that I trusted God, I had not invited him into that particular need. And sometimes I wonder if God's up there and he's thinking, Peter, if you would just pray, if you would just ask, I could do this. You're stressing about this for weeks on end, but I've got a solution for you if you would only trust. When we're in a time of need, perhaps a single need or more than one need has piled up on us, we can know that God is a God who provides, that Jesus said he was the bread of life in a relationship of trust and dependence on him. The feeding of the 5,000 reminds us of three things I'd just like to briefly share with you this morning. The first one is this, to keep an eternal perspective. You see, the the feeding of the 5,000 was about God showing his kindness by providing a meal for people. But it wasn't just about that. It was about building a platform where God, Jesus could declare to all humanity that he was the bread of life. In a similar way, when we're suddenly made aware of needs in our life, whether we've just been laid off from work or or we're facing issues in our marriage or maybe our finances are starting to slip, you can know that God, in one way or the other, will bring that need about in your life to reveal to you and to the people around you that uh, more about who he is that he can use that need to draw you and to invite you into a relationship of deeper trust and deeper dependence on him. John chapter 14, verse 13 says this, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the father may be glorified in the son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. You know, the key point in that scripture really quickly is the phrase, in my name. It means that while God is concerned with your needs, he cares far more for a God-breathed future over your life than he does a wealthy present. A few years ago, I was uh, helping lead an organization through a time of intense conflict over the vision of that organization. It was a local charity, and I was uh, leading the board of trustees for that charity, and we had a time of intense conflict over the, the vision and the mission, what the organization was there to do. And I was 25 at the time, and at, I, I remember feeling totally out of my depth. It was quite a stressful time, I'll be honest. However, looking back on that time, Once the conflict had resolved, I began to get involved here at church and leadership. And what I can see about that time was that, yes, it was a time of need. And yes, God was working in me through that time of need, through that time of stress. But what he was imparting to me in that moment was uh, was a significant um, experience which would shape ministry here. So taking an eternal perspective, You've got a young man who has begun to learn about what it means to handle conflict in a Christian organization at a young age. And now, from an eternal perspective, for 50 years, those lessons can be drawn on. When you're going through a time of need, remember the eternal perspective. God is working in and all through all situations. And just like in this story where he did a miracle to reveal himself, he can do the same in your life. Secondly is the uh, thought to ask. It's very simple. 
to ask. But the number of times I've, I've been chatting to somebody or I've been in a small group where somebody has said something along these lines. I've been stressing about this for weeks and I simply asked and God moved. I wish that I'd asked two weeks ago. Have you ever heard something like that? Done it. Amen. Yeah, I, I did. I just, you just shared how I did. It happens. So often we can think that we trust God, but we don't ask him. And it raises the question, how real is that trust? As adults, especially, we're used to solving our own problems. It's part of what makes us adults, that we handle ourselves, right? But when it comes to meeting needs that we simply can't solve, we're really wise to ask God who can solve them. Perhaps that's why in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus explicitly mentioned these words, give us today our daily bread, because sometimes we forget to ask for it. Let's be people who are not afraid to ask God for the things we do, for the things we need. Let's not be people who stay in a place of need simply because we haven't asked God for help in that area. As the band comes forth, I'd like to challenge you with this third thought. The third thing that we can do when we find ourselves needing to trust God with a need is this, is to wait and watch, to wait and watch. Can I give you just a, a really briefly a little bit of Bible study this morning? You see, when Jesus said that he was the bread of life, he didn't just pull that title out of thin air. He got it from somewhere. And the place that he got it from was a story where God was leading the people of Israel through the desert. And he had led them into a time of need. And the way he taught them, the way he drew them into a relationship with himself, the way he drew them into a relationship of trust was to give them one day's worth of food in the morning. And it would last them for the day. And if you were greedy and went out there and collected more than a day's worth, at midnight it would spoil and you needed to trust God that the following day you would receive another meal. And this, uh, this food that God provided that would appear on the ground was called manna. And, and, and it's called the bread from heaven. In Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3 it says this. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Does that last verse sound familiar? Where have you heard that before? Maybe from the mouth of Jesus when he's in the desert and the devil comes to him and is tempting him. Provide for yourself, Jesus. Turn these rocks into bread. You can do it if you're the son of God. You don't need to trust in Jesus. You don't need to trust in God. You can provide for yourself. Take what you need. Jesus replies, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You see, the whole way through Scripture, God is a God who takes us into a time of need so that we might learn to trust him. And you're saying to yourself, well, I'm a Christian, Peter. I've been a Christian for 10 or 15 years, maybe 30, 40 years. I know how to trust God. But let me challenge you. Is there an area in your life that, where you could trust him more? Because God leads us into a place of need so that we might learn to trust him deeper.
the final point that I want to encourage you with is that whatever you're needing from God, don't give up hoping. Don't give up continuing to believe that he will come through. Believe that he is trustworthy because in this season, God is calling you to a deeper relationship with him. He is calling you into a, to trust him in a bigger way. In the desert, the Israelites, through a time of need, uh, God led them through a time of need so that they would learn to trust him and depend on him as the, their source of life and not on their own strength. Jesus starts his ministry with a kind of a brand almost that says, this ministry is going to be characterized out of trust in God for my needs and not out of working out of my own strength and my own abilities. In the same way, this, and I, I, when I was writing this, I felt like there was somebody here today that, that this God would speak to on this, area, on this area, that this is actually a word for somebody today. And this is that, that in your time of need, maybe your bills have piled up. Maybe your contract at work is running out very soon. Maybe your rental situation is about to run out. God is calling you like he has called all generations before you through a time of need. Trust me. You can trust me. I'm the bread of life. I am all you need. There's another pattern that we see through Scripture. And that is the pattern of trust in God, where somebody trusted God and God worked in their situation in an amazing way. Abraham trusted God, trusted God that God would provide the promised son. And God made him a father of all nations. Joshua, Joshua trusted God, went into a land and marched around the walls of Jericho, trusting that God would bring the walls down. And God brought the walls down. David trusted God when he was in the caves with his men, and he didn't look or feel like a king, and he was in a time of extreme need. David trusted God, and God made him the greatest king that Israel had ever seen. And in the garden, Jesus trusted God. And he took himself off. And before God, he said, let your will be done. Not my will, not what I want, but let your will be done. Jesus, in a time of great need, trusted God. And through him, God redeemed the world. Be patient, watch and wait. And someday soon, God will prove himself trustworthy in your area of need. And you will find yourself in a deeper relationship where your trust is more significant and your dependence on God is a bigger part of your life. As we close, I'd like to speak to another group of people here. And maybe you're here, and when I've been talking about needs in our life, God has put on your mind something that has ca is causing you stress a need that you have, maybe a relationship need, maybe a financial need, a need that has brought you to the end of yourself and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know what I'm going to do. And you don't know Jesus. Maybe someone invited you along and, and you don't know this Jesus that we've been talking about. 
Let me encourage you with this. If life has gotten too hard to handle and you're suddenly made aware of some desperate needs in your life, you can know when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, he was meaning that all who come to me, all who put their active trust in me, they will not go away hungry. They will not go away thirsty. Maybe in your life, everything looks great on the outside, but deep down, you know that everything is not so great. If that's you, let me encourage you. Jesus said he was the bread of life. Would you pray with me this morning? As we pray, I'd just like to share one final scripture with you. In John 3, verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. If you're feeling that life is unmanageable, know that God is a God who can fill all your needs through a relationship of trust and dependence on him. Or you're asking yourself, how do I enter that relationship? God is all around us, available at any time you'd like to pray. Would you pray with me this prayer and invite him to come and show you more about who he is and invite you into a relationship of trust? So if that's you, with every head bowed and eye closed, we're all going to pray this prayer out loud. And if that's you, would you just pray along with everybody else? This prayer, inviting God to come and meet you where you are meet your needs would you pray this dear Jesus I know I've messed up but today I choose to give my life to you I hold nothing back thank you that you died to cover my sin and rose again to give me hope and a new life thank you that you found me Thank you for your grace. And with every head bowed and eye closed, we'd love to connect with you and maybe share a little more about this Jesus with you. Every head bowed and eye closed. If that was you, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time or or maybe you've been away from the Lord and you know you need to come back, would you just lift your hand up really high? Love to meet you. Is there anyone here this morning? God, we thank you that you're in this place. Thank you that you encourage us through Scripture that in you is life. And that life is our light. And that you are, in fact, the bread of life. That everything we need can come from you. And today, we choose, no matter what we're going through, to be people who ask you in an act of trust, in an act of dependence, that you will indeed come through. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. I'm just going to pass back to Mark. Amazing. Come on, what a great word. Thank you, Pete.